We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What do you think about the Laker team now? You follow the box scores of the games every day? Just the Lakers. You're kidding. That is really a compliment. I was pleased to see you smile at the top of our show because once the game starts, you have a game face. You don't smile much out there. I don't think you have to do things for money anymore. Correct. What's up, Laker fans? Welcome to the Laker Film Room Podcast, brought to you by the Blue Wire Podcast Network. I'm Pete, joined by Darius. We're recording right after the game, so Mike is handling post-game, so it's just the two of us. And the Lakers win the their third out of the last four games with a, a win over San Antonio in an afternoon game, in a game where we saw Taylor Horton Tucker's return. And it was part the, of a bigger, I think, paradigm shift. We saw Melo start. We saw Kent Bazemore get a DNP. This was an important game in that I think it's like the first day of a new direction of sorts. Whichever way you want to go, I do want to get into THT, but yeah, it was beyond just his return today. It was. So let's start with Bayes because we ended our last pod talking about Bayes a fair amount. And we had sort of, I don't want to say saw the writing on the wall with this, but I think we had discussed a fair amount that he had been struggling recently and an extended look at lineup data sort of showed that a lot of lineups that Bays was a part of were struggling. Now, you don't point to Kent Bazemore as like, it's your fault, right? Like that's not what was going on here. But we had sort of discussed that idea of you think things are going to fit and work a certain way and you don't. And they don't. And Bayes a DNPCD. DeAndre again did not play. What is that? The third straight game? Second straight game? Second um, straight. Mm-hmm. So it's clearly those guys. DeAndre started in pretty much every game that he's appeared in. Baysmore had as well. And now they don't play at all. Those are the two spots, D, that are like, who do we who plays next to Russ, AD, and LeBron? And it's really remarkable that in game 14, both guys were were DNPs. Well, we had talked about a fair amount, like, and we've done this both on the pod and offline, that managing a locker room like this is I don't want to say tricky, but it's something that you need to be deliberate with, is the term that that I would use. And what it feels like to me is that. Frank Vogel's really been emphasizing the film sessions. He's really been emphasizing going back to the tape. And from a general sort of analyst perspective and person who's out here talking about the team, I don't think anyone watches more tape than you. 
And you and I have talked a bunch on the pod and and with Mike as well that there are things we're seeing on the tape, I feel like, that there's a fair amount of ammunition now to be able to go back to a veteran locker room and justify changes to a group like this. And I think part of that paradigm shift that you're talking about isn't just, oh, we got THT back. I think that that helps. But I also think it's just like, yeah, it's time to go win some games. These are the things that we know work. It's been almost 15 games. That's a big enough sample now to say, yep, time to switch some things up because these are the things that that were working. And if you've listened to Vogel's postgame comments, he's been hinting at playing smaller, getting more spacing, having smaller. The other day he said that the smaller groups he thinks have been defending better, which Ding, 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 ding. When you're Frank Vogel and you start to say a certain thing is working better on defense, like that's the last that that's the last bridge to cross. And his pregame comments in kind of announcing, you know, the initial question Mike asked about about Taylor's thumb and, you know, Frank described like it's part of this bigger thing this bigger lineup move where now's the time to make the change and like you said there were all these kind of hints and precursors to it but he very much framed it as well with LeBron coming back soon dot 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 this is kind of how it's going to look and there are a few parts involved in that the nine-man rotation Mello starting as that in that LeBron role and he even commented Mello will go back to the bench when LeBron comes back right and so I I gotta give Vogel credit for his adaptability over the last like seven to ten days man he's taken some big steps there's no other thing d that really uh exemplifies this paradigm shift than avery bradley in the minnesota game we didn't really get to this but avery bradley was our starting point guard our starting one in 2000 for most of 2020 he was our starting four the same person yeah. was our starting four in a game against minnesota now Taylor comes back and he's got somebody that's more adept at at absorbing those wing responsibilities. And he spoke to that before the game. What did you see with Taylor in that respect and filling those roles? This is a great time to transition to THT. I thought that for all the mentioning of these are our expectations for him coming into the season regarding his defense, it was only one game, but I thought Taylor seemed to take that responsibility seriously, Mm -hmm. right? And... So there is a sturdiness to his frame and and to just he's not the tallest dude, but the long arms and and just we've always talked about him being one of those sort of barrel chested guys that that can just sort of stand up in certain situations and absorb the punishment. And he and he dishes out punishment off offensively and defensively. He can sort of hang in there tight and tough. And I thought his return did unlocked more of the versatility that you would want to see from the Lakers as both a transition offense team, as a half-court offense team, and in what they wanted to do defensively. You had pointed out very early on during, like, a little bit after the game started, they were switching more defensively. So mm-hmm. talk to me about what you were seeing, both from a scheme perspective and how Taylor specifically helped um, in his individual matchups and sort of helped 
unlock some some other scheme differences that that you might have seen. Granted, it's just right after the game, so you haven't had a chance to go back to the tape. For sure, yeah. This is this is more just in in a general sense, but there are are a few plays that stand out. So the whole eighty at the five thing, it's like chapter one of a whole story, right? Uh, and it comes with all of these different adjustments you need to make to your scheme. You play differently, just as a function of the different spacing, different skill sets. You have a naturally much faster player on the floor than DeAndre Jordan. And that comes with all sorts of strengths and weaknesses. Do we give up so many freaking long offensive rebounds in this game? And that's something that we're going to have to get better at, right? And But the ability to switch, we know that AD can help out on the perimeter, but as we saw in, I believe, the end of the first quarter of this game, there's a lineup where it was AD and four small guards, right? Like, I've been advocating the four-guard lineup, but when it's not Russ or THT on the floor, they were just... I, Pop, Pop was brilliant with how, how he did this. They were really working the mid-range game with DeJounte Murray and their guys with the idea of, we know AD's going to contest this shot, and it's okay if you miss because... Malik Monk is trying to box out Thaddeus Young or something like that, right? And so they were really kicking our butts on the offensive glass, also on the long rebounds, which is kind of a different topic. But with respect to THT, he can help facilitate that switching. There was a play where he got switched on to Thad Young on the right block, and Young has a really good drop step going back to his left, and THT chested him up. And what that means is, you always say as a coach to your players, especially your strong on-ball defenders, is foul with your chest, right? Like, you can be very physical, and the refs will generally, unless you knock a guy completely off of his line, will will let you be physical with your chest. It's when your your hands get in there that can, that can be problematic. But Talon was able to bump Young in the post, who's a four naturally, right? And he took kind of an awkward shot that he missed a little short off of the glass. And that's something that none of our other guards, like Young against Monk or, or even Ellington, who even though Ellington, I got a lot of nice things to say about him defensively after this game, along with the threes, right? But like he'll be able to make that move all the way through and power through. And you can't power through THT in a way that you can all of our other ball handlers, especially. And so having a guy who can do that and he was one of the only good parts of our transition attack on offense today. I thought Russ hurt his hip earlier in the game and he was much less, uh, pushed the issue in transition a lot less. But Taylor had a lot of those wing attacks where he got to the rim. Even when he didn't score, there was a certain umph to his game that yeah. even plays into the legs that we talked about last time, right? Where it, the end of that game, I was so frustrated. They cut it down to two. And it's the tempo. We text about this all the time. Like they're walking up the court. It's so frustrating to see. And then here comes Talon attacking the basket with that wonderful, you know, underhand, backhanded, right-handed layup. He had so many possessions like that in this game, D, where his energy and spirit and just young legs, I thought, really was a force that was really helpful for us. The verve that he played with, he's going to do that anyway because that's his game. He's an attack player. And it's even more that on the heels of the types of games the Lakers have been playing in the last week, right? Where it's just like, we talked about the legs the last game, but, or after the last game, but look, man, the Lakers have been playing every other day for what, like two and a half weeks now? Mm-hmm. It's starting to catch up to them and the injuries. And so here's a dude, and I almost felt like before the game, I've or even yesterday, when it was clear that THT was going to play, right? That Vogel, I'm sure, was just like, yeah, buddy, you're starting. Like, you're yeah. the fourth <laughs> highest paid player on the team. Go out there and earn your paycheck, right? Like, we need the life 
that you can give us. And because the rest of these guys are, are probably just tired. They're just tired. Like AD, and you can see it in AD as the game goes on, he looks less and less willing or able even to get to the spots on the floor. And he has a possession or two where he's like, all right, I really need to bring it on this possession. Uh And he will. But compare that to what he was in the first quarter where it was just like, okay, like I'm dunking. I'm driving, I'm throwing it off the glass to myself, and I'm tip I'm tip dunking my own miss, right? So that's like second jump stuff that AD was was doing. And then late in the game, it's sort of, okay, well, I'm triple threatened from 18 feet. Let me jab, jab, jumper. And a lot of that is fatigue. It's not like yeah. a bunch of things have changed, right? The game circumstances have not changed. Like, did the Spurs pick up their defensive intensity? Of, and of and they played they some did. zone, right, which kind of junks it up a bit. But it's also an opportunity for a big man like AD. You just have to go about it a different way. But you don't have to put. You do have to put pressure on the rim, which, to your point, when you're tired, becomes much harder to do. Yeah, and so I thought the game the game changed back in the Lakers favor. THT made three straight plays. He yeah. late clock. He drove with literally under three seconds on the shot clock. He's outside the three point line and he drove for a layup. All right. So he gets, he scores a two pointer there. Lakers lead gets pushed back to four. They get a stop. Lakers do next possession on, on offense. He sees that there's a cross match and AD is in the post against Doug McDermott, right? So he actually signals out, no, 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 no. We're, we're staying here now. Whatever we thought we were going to run, we're not. Mm -hmm. And he, and THT commandeered that possession. That's significant in and of itself, D, like him waving it off to recognize something in the moment. Exactly. So he gets the ball to AD, AD, bangs in the post spurs come with a double team ad rises up to shoot then he looks past to the deep corner russ cuts underneath that from the top top of the floor and then ad sees that it's mellow that's open now kicks it to mellow instead mellow three lakers are up seven right next possession down tht has the ball again and he sees ad and they're half running now ad spins out of that he throws the lob to AD, great precision pass on the lob. AD is not necessarily in a position to finish because he's getting his 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 hip road, right? And he's getting driven out of bounds, but then he drops it off to Russ. Great touch pass to Russ. Russ gets a layup. Lakers up nine. And so all of that tempo stuff that we had discussed, like THT, it's not like those last two possessions I, that I described were the Lakers playing faster. It wasn't that. And it wasn't so much the tempo, but there was a verve that he brought And, and back. force, right? Like there's a yes. certain amount of like attack, attack mentality. That's exactly what, like, it's very easy to see when we're struggling and when we're playing well. And it's just how much of an attack mentality do we have? And that means like, are we walking the ball up court? Are we looking to really, you know, tear the rim down when attacking a closeout. And that's something where with all of his ball handling moves and the various gathers that he has and like the funky angles that he can take shots from having that back in the lineup, man, as another guy that can tear down the defense that can be that battering ram. I'm curious to see how it looks over a larger sample next to Russ. And I also think that that Bradley spot is probably 
I don't think he'll be there permanently. We'll see. But Taylin with the starters, I'm I'm very curious to, to see. What did you think of that group in particular? Uh, the the group that started the game. I thought they were okay. I thought they were okay. I get what Frank is going for. Like, okay, AD's at the five, but we need toughness and shooting and defense. Who on the team right now can give us some of that, right? Melo can give you some interior toughness and shooting for sure. And he's been pretty good at defense, especially scramming guys out of switches and things of of that nature. And Melo's a good rebounder. Then Bradley, Bradley's defense, he's also a cutter, which I think is super important for this group. And then I think starting THT is one of those things where I think Frank wants his defense and he's going to continue to challenge him as sort of, no, man, you're our big wing, right? You're going to be the guy who saves LeBron from mm-hmm. having to guard some of these guys. And if that means yeah. you get thrown to the wolves and have to guard Giannis, Sure. A couple of times or you have to chase Paul George or you have to like go out there and guard any number of these dudes. Like, hey, you got Jason Tatum when they're on the road. And and those three and those three are completely different jobs. Chasing Paul George, guarding Giannis, chasing Jason Tatum around. Right. And so it demands a certain versatility that I think THT has. Well, it's also just like you're you're the right size dude and have the right physical tools and we're trying to get you to have the right mentality as well. And so part of that right mentality is no, like jump in there and do it. Right. Like I, I trade karate when, when I was a kid. And, and, and then guess what? Sometimes your sensei says, yeah, you're sparring against a black belt today and you're. And you're a blue belt. And it's just like, wait, what do you mean? Right. And, and <laughs> but part of that is like, no, harden yourself to this. Yeah. Help this be, is helps you this become is a what it is yourself. Yeah. Right. This is what what it is. And, and, and so I think the asks of THT are high and the asks are high for a reason. There's a certain amount of like reach for the stars and try to get there. And if you come up short, that's going to be okay. As long as you're showing the necessary competitive fire in, in order to try to succeed in, in those situations. And for his first game back, I thought he showed a lot of that competitiveness. Like, no, I'm going to get after you defensively. I'm really going to stick, stick in there. He, he drew a charge this game. He did a good job of, of that peel off switch where you where you have to roll with the big man and then try to like break up the pass. He had one of those. Ellington had one of oh, those. Ellington two. was so good. There's yeah. a certain amount of like, all right, well, go out there and compete defensively. And we've talked about this a ton. Vogel is gonna get it out of you eventually. Or find someone else who does. We're deep enough roster-wise to where it's like, uh, it, like Ellington was tipping some rebounds away, some long rebounds. And it's like, hey, when we go AD at five, we need dudes that do that. And if the yeah. dude next to him isn't doing that, maybe it's Ellington that's getting those minutes, you know? So let's take a quick break. When we come back, we'll keep talking Taylor. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. 
Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. So with Tamlin, I can't help but think about the circumstance change for him in particular. He was not asked to do this, to be this like primary on-ball guy. The, the guy that you were describing earlier, he was a guard last year, D, for most of the season. And he's playing the wing now. What does that mean? What does that mean functionally for a player to transition from that guard spot to that wing spot? What are the different asks there? Initially, not as much. To me, from my opinion, because he was more of a, even though he had lead guard responsibilities offensively, defensively, he was still asked to guard shooting guards and small forwards, right? He was chasing a lot more like off ball, like the role, his defensive role is different for sure, though. A part of that was because of the defensive players that surrounded him last season. So, so I hear what you're saying, right? It's just like when you're on a team with Kuz and KCP and Alex Caruso and all of these dudes, there are, and LeBron and AD, there are other options out there to put on primary go get it bucket getter types. Right. And if THT is going to play and he's, and he's sandwiched between Kuz and Alex Caruso, well, guess what? The mm-hmm. best the best sort of 6'4", six, 6'5", six, guy, or in between 6'2", and 6'5", guy, that is an on-ball threat, Alex is taking that dude. And mm-hmm. if there's a guy who's between 6'6", six, six, and 6'9", Kuz is probably taking that dude. And so who does that leave you to defend if, if you're THT? You're left defending Doug McDermott, or you're yeah. left defending Anthony Simons. Yeah. Right in a lineup where Dame and CJ are already on the court. That's right. right. And, I remember so, Gary Trent in a very similar circumstance really cooked THT last year. Yeah. Yeah. And it was sort of just like, well, you're the third dude. The dude who's left is this is this player archetype a lot. And so those responsibilities are different for sure. 
I will say that the work that they asked THT to do in the offseason showed up in this first game. He had several off-ball responsibilities this game where he looked locked in to me. He looked more, he just looked like he was carrying himself with way more focus. One of the things that we talked about a lot last year in, in, in terms of THT is that he was a drifter defensively when he was off, off of the ball. And so, and he would float around a little bit. He would take a false step here or there. And then that false step led him into poor recovery angles. And he was ending up getting beat coming like trying to then cheat screens and a lot of different stuff. And and so he was better at that this game, but he is built to be an on-ball defender. He's got yes. massive hands, he's got a sturdy frame, he's got a huge wingspan. He and he is stocky in a way where if you try to he's got a low center of gravity. Low so of gravity, he yep. is not going to get bumped off his line and as, he might bump you off yours. Yep. Yes. As easily. Right. And, and so there is a lot of stuff that this is way more in his wheelhouse. It's just a matter of, does he have enough technique to match up with his physical tools? And I was pleasantly surprised to see him both a show the competitive nature that he had defensively but b also just like no i'm gonna slide with you here and when you and i'm gonna mirror your hands with my hands and do a lot of things that are technically sound in ways that allow him to be successful and then challenging high and all of the stuff you want from a guy he had a great isolation possession against Dejounte murray murray was cooking the lakers he was getting into his mid-range he was getting over the top even of of anthony davis but tht got him in the phone booth and was just like no you're gonna have to shoot over the top of me and i'm gonna challenge you very high and he made murray put a couple inches extra arc and that shot felt hit front rim and was short and it's like ah that's how you know that he actually bothered the shot it wasn't just oh that's just a miss it yes. was no he forced this miss and yes, there were more of those possessions this game where i thought he got after it in ways that played to what his strengths are as as a defensive player in some ways or in a lot of ways the on ball roles for his I don't want to say complicated, but you have to make a lot of recognition plays as that we've been talking so much about the low man, which is the help side, the low guy on, on the other side of the floor, helping on ball screens and dribble penetration and things like that. And he actually had a play toward the end of the game where he had a one of those low man collisions. And I think it was Murray went sprawling out because he ran into a bigger, stronger guy in THT, which was great to see. But on the ball, the defensive responsibilities in Vogel system are not that complicated but and so that minimizes some of the recognition and some of the drifting off of the ball that that can happen uh, in in Vogel's scheme. Talon has such a, a unique uh, or unusual group of attributes, right? Player with that type of wingspan and that weighs 225, 230, very rarely can slide their feet, right? You want to stretch them out onto the perimeter. You want to have that ISO of Murray against THT or, or Murray against a guy with those measurables normally, but his ability to slide his feet on top of that is super unusual. And so that opens up all of these 
you know, different ways that you can play that really plays right into what Vogel likes to do on the ball. He wants ball pressure. He wants a guy that gets up into you and it's such a pain in the ass when you've got a big physical guy with long arms all over you. And I thought that that combined with just a, he's going to run around, he's going to play hard on every possession, you know, having another guy out there. I think none's going to be very helpful in that respect too. And just like guys that run, I think are super helpful to this team. So total package is so good to have Taylor back, man. It was just a very good THT game, and I on and he surpassed my expectations for first game. Mine back. too. Let's pivot here though, because THT wasn't the only dude that played. Mm-hmm. Um, the Lakers won a good game and an important game. I think. I think it was important for them to bounce back the way that they mm-hmm. did. Yeah. Where do you want to go first? AD, who I thought was tremendous early on and, and really played a great AD game, or do you want to go secondary guy like Wayne? Because I think Wayne's shooting is starting to show up in a way that I think is super important to this team. And it Talk gives to me the about Lakers. Melo's been the other the only guy so far who has been playing above expectation as in terms of a shooter. Right. And teams are really starting to game plan for Melo a little bit more. You don't see him getting as many open threes as he LeBron's got absence the- contributes to that a lot, too, though. It does. But you could already tell, man, there's like a half a step that they're not giving up in terms of help responsibility. He's definitely now. higher on the scouting report. I yeah, will give they're you just that. not. Yeah, yeah. They're just not helping off of him the same way. They're not. And I don't know, like LeBron may help that. He may help it, though, from the standpoint of, well, he's going to threaten the rim more. And so either you're going to help or LeBron's gonna gonna score. or, or yeah. this guy's going to score or he's going to get another guy a basket inside. Right. And right. if you want to if you want to play four on four, if you want to play more four on four, well, if two of those four are LeBron James and Anthony Davis, you're probably in trouble. Yeah, that's a good equation for the Lakers. The more, the fewer guys in the way of LeBron and AD, the better. Yes, and so now Ellington is another guy who has been starting to shake loose. And one of the reasons why he is shaking loose is because the Lakers, I think, have been intent on trying to find him in sets and in actions that actually do shake him free. And it's much different when you're a shooting guard sized dude and can move around the floor the way that Ellington can. He is not a super athlete, but he's a smooth player. He understands how to navigate the floor and use all of that, Mm -hmm. all of that space in the half court in order to try to open thing things up. And when he's like today, he was super hot and I fired off a bunch of tweets about Wade Ellington's jumper. But <laughs> if he's going to shoot. Not this hot, but look, if he's going to be a 38, 40 percent shooter from three, that's a super valuable player. I, I think he can be a 45 plus guy on this team. Like his jumper is so high level, man. Like it's the and his footwork and his understanding of how to get open and but I was really impressed, man, on the other end of yeah, the floor. Yeah, talk to me. And talk to me. Yeah, and really it so with the whole idea of AD being at the five being just chapter one of all of these uh, and putting a portion of the puzzle that we've been talking about together. It certainly doesn't complete it. Now everything's puppy dog and puppy dogs and rainbows, right? And one of those is that long rebounding. And Ellington was getting down there and he had several plays where he just fought on a sandwich rebound. So it's because what happens is 
we're asking AD to do too much right now. I think that that's part of the reason why you see him go for 27 in the first half. And then there's that fatigue, right, that, that, that comes in is every single possession. And this, I think, is part of the reason why AD hasn't historically loved playing the five is that it's it's very demanding. It takes a lot out of him defensively. And But one of the things that can help alleviate that is our guards dropping down to help on the boards. Russ does that in his own way where he'll, he will drop into the paint and is a very dynamic rebounder that can rebound out of his area area but you're also going to have situations where ad has inside position the big guy is leaning on ad's back with his forearm makes it harder for him to jump this is what you do technique wise if you're an offensive rebounder and you're being boxed out and then you try to box them in and get that long rebound right and so having ellington he has an understanding and a motor for that in particular that i think our long rebounding in context with AD moving to the five, those rebounds that bounce out to like the free throw line area are going to be super important for us to be decent at getting those in terms of getting out into transition. We really need, that's part of the problem too of where we didn't push the pace in this game is that one of the ways you punish a team that crashes the offensive boards the way the Spurs did is that when you get the defensive rebound, you run because they've got two bodies down in the paint. You're going to have numbers and we didn't push push there and we, we could have and I think we will, you know, going forward. I like Again, I think Russ was a little bit off there, but Ellington swooping in to help with that in particular, that's going to be one of the most important things defensively this season is to end possessions. We're switching, we're hedging, we're doing whatever we are. AD contest, we force a miss and then they get that long rebound and now the ball's swinging around the perimeter and it's an open corner three and we've got four guys standing in the paint now watching it you know well one of the things Lakers need to do better too is actually close down the foul line and not leak out in ways like like sometimes I feel like the Lakers are hungry to run but not doing all of the work that you need to do in order to run right And, and and so it's one thing to leak out when your guy has shot uh, above the break three and you closed out on him hard and then you just run by and now you leak out. It's another thing to see the shot go up, the shot hit the rim, and then you're already looking like the guy who is about to catch the baton in or is about to get past the baton in in a relay race. Like, oh, OK, I am I am sidestepping my way <laughs> up court all, already because I'm ready to run before yeah. we've actually done anything to secure the ball. Right. Right. And there is a go get the ball, then go do something after that. The Lakers don't always do well enough. Right. And honestly, this is where LeBron is going to help. Yes. Yes. And just having more awareness on the court. Some of the times that the Lakers were really having troubles on on the, the defensive glass and like Malik Monk's been not a good rebounder. This year for the Lakers, he hasn't shown a lot of awareness in terms of that sandwiching and that going in and and tipping the ball high. Yeah, it's not just about being small because he can jump. He's a great athlete, but it's about recognizing it in the first place, too. Yeah, there was a play where Thad Young got an offensive rebound in the first half. It was either the it was either the second quarter or it might have been the third quarter. But Monk had responsibility there to drop down and help sandwich on the glass, like he just did, right? Because AD had, I think AD had contested um, a Murray jumper, and then whoever was was def- was defending Murray, it might have been Avery Bradley, got switched on to Thad Young, and then look. If Bradley's going to try to box out Young, that's great. But if he's boxing out, he's not going to jump. 
that means someone has to come in and actually play from behind above yes above the play in order to try to battle young now monk came but he came a good beat a beat and a half late like way too so, late so he came into the frame and he tapped the ball but when he tapped the ball young was already securing it and then young got a layup and it's sort of just like no this is where your awareness and that speaks to some of like monk's awareness versus ellington's awareness ellington is just a much more aware defensive player right yeah and so yeah. we had talked a long time ago about how can you get players with defensive deficiencies to be able to stay on the court and play right ellington is ellington's game today was a perfect example of that he yeah. played hard he played with focus and he did a lot of the little things that are a part of team defense that matter in terms of winning a defensive possession. Now, does that mean he was perfect? No. Does that mean that he didn't get beat when he's defending his zone man? Of course not. Those are things, but those are things that happen to every single player. They happen to Anthony Davis. They happen to LeBron sure. James, right? Your best players get beat that way. But if you can do the small things better, you're going to help your team in the bigger picture. And Ellington, I thought, was very good at doing those things today. And it probably helped that his jumper was super wet because that gets sure. you in gets that mood flow. of yep. like, ooh, I, ooh, I got to go in today, right? And so now everything feels like this is fun. Oh, it's fun going to the glass because I'm going to run up court and then I'm going to be in a trail position yep. and then the ball's knock kicking right back to me and I'm going to yep. knock down this this three and the other team is calling a timeout. And so great Wayne Ellington game, great THT game. And honestly, AD, he he was a monster early AD in the game. AD has held it down, man. AD has held it down for this team the first part of this season. We've got the Bulls on the second night of a back-to-back -to -back tomorrow. They've said LeBron is day-to-day, -day, right? I don't know if LeBron will be available for tomorrow, but hopefully soon. And that ability, I know it hasn't been a particularly fun season so far. I'm optimistic for a number of reasons. And that's not to say that it's going to work out. I just think that we're way more on the right track than we were 10 days ago. And... I'm AD has helped us get to this place where we're eight and six. I know we've had a soft schedule. I know we've lost to teams that we shouldn't have lost to, but he's really held it down for us in a way that is, has been super important. Not only about AD, but just in general, credit to Vogel and credit to AD because they seem to be in line with what's needed right mm -hmm. now. And mm -hmm. Vogel seems to be, we started the pod talking about this, but the asks that are made of players seem to be now aligning with what is going to work best for the team. And all the guys aren't back yet, but AD playing this way is going to help. THT being back is going to help. When Braun gets back, now you've got more on the wing. And I think Vogel can even, now he can say, okay, Melo's back with the reserves. Yes. We're going to have more size throughout the course of the game. And I'll be very interested to see if this team can carry some momentum. I really hope Braun plays on Monday because this game felt like a dress rehearsal game. They played yes, nine did. guys, Pete, and mm -hmm. Rondo was one of the nine. Mm -hmm. It's very easy to take Rondo out of the rotation put Melo back on the bench, and then there's LeBron. There's your nine dudes who you're going to play. And 
Let's and you get probably get a better it. you probably get a better mellow too, right? He's been playing yep. big minutes. That's not what he was supposed to do here. And I think when I talk about legs, he's the first guy that I think of in terms of of that being an issue. So with when LeBron comes back, knock on wood, assuming no other injuries, that is the point where I feel like we can really start evaluating this team, especially with the lo- recent lineup changes. Uh, they we have a no- like obviously none still out, Ariza's still out. I've been saying just get us back to having two rotation guys plus out. Now Austin Reeves may have certainly made a case for a rotation spot himself, but this is good enough for me once LeBron comes back. Yes, and so uh, I, we're close, man. We're close. Yeah, Tht was the one forward, right? Yeah, Did and, and Tht can eat like. My- we need one, one more, more forward. Yeah. One more yeah. forward, right? And yeah. and it's just like, and Reeves was sort of masquerading as that dude. So, but now Reeves has been out and it's just like, ho- like holy hell, man. Can't this yeah. team just catch a break? And yeah. they might have caught it with THT coming back and looking like, oh, I'm, I'm actually good. Remember, He's an important player like, on this team, man. Remember yeah. me? I'm right. good. There's a yeah. reason why they paid me. And That's right. it was a good, really good sort of, ah, uh, welcome back, THT. It certainly was. Certainly was. Lakers get their third win in four games. Got the Bulls uh, on Monday. We'll be back on Tuesday. But until then, you've been listening to Laker Film Room Podcast. We'll catch you guys next time. Baines has got it in low to McHale. McHale wants to turn his double team. Just pass out of front, broken up by Worthy. Tip to Magic. Worthy dies on his belly. Magic scores. There's Magic got it. Magic fires. It's good. They will. A lot of Laker fans sticking around for this. You're seeing something that's very rare indeed. A Laker to get MVP chance right, in, Boston. in Boston. Of all places. Are you kidding me? Kobe. Hard to believe. Are you kidding me? Unreal. Are you kidding me? Lakers looking to push. Ryan spinning in the lane. Back for Gasol. Pretty pass. And it's back to a three-point game. Kobe Bryant picked up by Bell. There's the move. Two. Listen. seconds remaining. Denver a foul to give. Jokic trying to disrupt Rondo. He puts it in. Here's Davis. 4-3 in the win. Oh, it's good! Anthony Davis has won it for the Lakers! James again. Oh, he hits another one. LeBron James putting together a closing quarter against the Nuggets. This historic 2020 NBA championship belongs to the Los Angeles Lakers. The Lakers conquer the bubble, and banner number 17 will soon hang in the rafters.